Veterans Path, helping veterans find peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor through practical tools like meditation and mindfulness, physical and outdoor experiences, and a community of camaraderie. I'm John McCaskill, a Navy SEAL commander turned mindfulness teacher. Here on the Veterans Path podcast, I interview veterans, athletes, corporate leaders, and many others who found peace through the practices of meditation and mindfulness, breaking down the stigma of pursuing mental health and making it a priority, improving and saving lives. All right. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good day. I'm John McCaskill, your host, and thanks for tuning in to the Veterans Path podcast. This podcast is just a piece of what we do. Veterans Path is actually a nonprofit working to introduce veterans and active service members to meditation and mindfulness, typically in outdoor settings, so they can rediscover a sense of peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor. And that's where the word path in our name comes from. And the point of this podcast is to make people more aware of what we do to increase support of Veterans Path, increase attendance at our retreats so we're able to help more veterans, and finally, to reduce the stigma around mindfulness and meditation and seeking mental health support. Listeners and viewers, if you're enjoying the show, please give us a review or a like and share the show with anyone and everyone you think could benefit from our message. Also, you can directly support Veterans Path by clicking on the support button on the podcast or by visiting veteranspath.org forward slash donate. Today, my guest is Navy veteran Tara Jackson. Tara recently retired after a little over 20 years of active duty service in the Navy as a supply officer. After a few tough tours, in particular a year-long GWAT support assignment in Baghdad and Umqasr, Iraq, she began to realize that she needed to find some help. She turned to Transcendental Meditation, or TM, which over time provided the calm she was looking for. Tara has a BA in History from the University of Memphis, an MS in International Relations from Troy University, and is currently an MS Yoga Therapy candidate at Maryland University of Integrative Health. She is a 500-hour certified yoga teacher and teaches classes here in the Hampton Roads area in Virginia. We're going to learn a lot more about Tara, her time in the Navy, obstacles and adversity she overcame by using meditation, and her journey toward becoming a yoga therapist. And that's all here in today's episode of the Veterans Path Podcast. All right. Welcome back. As mentioned in the intro, my guest today is a retired Navy veteran, Tara Jackson. Welcome to the show, Tara. Hi, John. How are you? I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, it's uh, kind of an adjustment. I am recording all these from home, so uh, hopefully my audio sounds okay. Normally, I record these in a podcast booth, as we were discussing just before the show. And with everything that's going on right now, I, I don't have access to the podcast booth. So I've moved my booth to my upstairs and uh, my two little children are downstairs uh, with my beautiful and unbelievably strong wife. And uh, yeah, we may even pick up some of their audio in the background through the show as we go on. But yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing great personally. So how are you doing? Good. No problems. Yeah, well, that's good to hear. So far. So, <laughs> uh, well, I, uh, I start every show off basically with the same standard initial question. Uh, I, I'll come back and inject your bio later, but it's what you and I have discussed in your past as far as your Navy career and your, your personal background or a little bit of your personal background. But the initial question is, what else would you like our listeners to know about you, Tara? Who are you? Well, a little background. I'm originally from Toledo, Ohio, which is about uh, about 35 minutes south of Detroit. Most people maybe don't know where Toledo is, but we're right on the Michigan border. Um, I'm married. I have a son who's 22. He'll be 23 this year, and he's uh, at school at Radford. And um, let's see, I'm just really excited to be here. I don't, I don't have any exciting stories from Toledo. If you've <laughs> ever been there, you'll know why. <laughs> well, then, uh, yeah, that, ins- that leads me to my next question. What took you guys there if there's nothing exciting there? Well, um, like I said, I grew up in Toledo. I never really... Oh, yeah, of course. You grew up. Yeah, yeah. 
never entertained the idea of joining the Navy. Uh, my grandfather was in World War II. My dad was, you know, a Vietnam vet, and you know, he had a lot of issues coming out of that. I wouldn't say it was um, like a positive post. Uh, you know, VA experience for us. So it never occurred to me that like, hey, I'm gonna join the military. It just wasn't really on my radar. Um, so, you know, I went to school, I, you know, was just getting close to graduating. I was a nursing major and I, for some reason decided with like two semesters left that I didn't wanna do that. <laughs> so, you know, I just, you know, that was a great decision. And so I just kind of floundered around a little bit, you know, working, waitressing, bartending, managing a restaurant, you know, things like that. And then I ended up getting married and having a baby, maybe not necessarily in that order. So, you know, just kind of <laughs> going with the flow. And my first husband had a stroke. It was really kind of weird. He was pretty young and he was in his mid thirties. And so he eventually lost his job. You know, we just kind of was a stay-at-home mom with my son. And, you know, things just really started not going well. And, you know, obviously I was like, oh, my God, now I need to do something. This is kind of all falling on me. You know, I don't even have my degree. You know, I don't, what am I going to do? And so, you know, I really had to sit down and take some hard looks and, you know, get out a piece of paper and write down some options. And, you know, I knew I wanted to finish my school. I knew I needed health insurance for sure. You know, I know I needed a steady paycheck. You know, there really aren't that many options out there when you make a list like that. Right. So, you know, I said, oh, my God, am I going to have to join the military? Like, there's no way. I mean, at this point, I'm 28 years old. Yeah. This is like, I can't even believe that I've filtered this list down and my options are Army, Air Force, Navy, Marine. <laughs> uh, this is where I ended up. So I literally, I knew the Marines weren't, I knew, I knew that was too much for me. And uh, after about two minutes, no offense to the army, but I knew that I was not going to join the army. So I said, oh, let me, let me roll down to the Navy recruiter. And, you know, so I ended up enlisting, um, went to Great Lakes, turned 29 uh, in boot camp, which is a really humbling, humbling, <laughs> it's already a humbling experience, but at almost 30, it was. Um, I was literally plotting the minute the bus pulled up to Great Lakes and the doors opened and they started screaming and I'm like, okay, so I have three years, 364 days left. <laughs> so wait, wait, when was this exactly? This was in 99. 99. Okay. Yeah. I so, went to uh, boot camp in 96. So I, I remember that exact same experience coming from the USO at, at Chicago um, airport, what, uh, O'Hare O'Hare, right? Um, and then driving to to boot camp and getting off the bus and doing the exact same thing. I mean, I don't know that I was counting down the days from day one, but uh, yeah, I remember that experience. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. Um, I we drove or like the bus picked us up. I think it was either I think it was Columbus. I think that's where my maps was. Okay. And we took a bus. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> rode that thing. Well, actually, well, anyway, so I end up at boot camp. And I'm plotting from day one, like, how long is this enlistment? I'm, I mean, I'm going to, I'm, I got to get over this. So um, I ended up being a yeoman. I went to Meridian, Mississippi, you know, long story short, I got to my first duty station. I'm like, okay, I've got healthcare. I've got a steady job. Let me enlist. I ended up uh, graduating from the University of Memphis because I uh, was stationed at Bupers was my first uh, duty station. Mm -hmm. Went through that, then decided to go to OCS. I finished my degree. My captain kind of talked me into applying, got in, went to OCS. And I've literally been in Virginia Beach ever since. Wow. That's I rare. I That's did. Very rare for a I military uh, Navy career to stay in one spot. That, yeah, I, that, well, that nullifies one of my questions is, is what were, you know, what were some of the places that you were stationed? Um, but I'm sure you, you deployed like we've discussed via email and we'll get into that but some of the uh, favorite places you were stationed I guess is Virginia Beach um, this is a great <laughs> yeah it's definitely not bad, I never not bad. <laughs> uh, you know, being in the it was easy to you know seashore 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 so uh, you know I, yeah. I met all my I, as a supply I was a supply officer and so I was really able to meet all my I, I actually went and did some extra operational tours than what was required um, just kind of to be able to stay here and do that. So there was some negotiating. It wasn't super easy, but I did make it work. Wow. Wow. 
So yeah, that again, I can't believe that. Um, I'm impressed. Uh, yeah, I've, I've moved around more times than I like to think about. Uh, uh, but as far as your time in the Navy, uh, what are some of your favorite memories from, from your time in the Navy? So, I mean, I really, for me, like early on in my uh, career were really my favorite memories. You know, the higher up you go, the, to, to me, the less fun it becomes. So for me, my, you know, the most fun for me was, you know, when I was on a DDG and we were all, you know, sitting around, you know, kind of complaining about this and that, or, you know, sitting in uh, battle stations waiting for, you know, just things like that. I yeah. really en I just enjoyed more than so much supply and logistics. I don't know that that was the best part about it, but definitely <laughs> all the people and it, it really just became a little less fun once you get off the deck plates and now you're, you know, maybe your interaction with sailors is very limited and you're making policy and you're doing PowerPoints and you're giving meetings. So for me, I, I would, you know, I, I mean, I'm not going to go into sea stories because I mean, I, I mean, you're recording, so I don't want that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, you know, for me, really, it was just kind of being out there in those operational tours where you're like doing stuff and you can see what you've done. You know, if you sit in a desk and make a PowerPoint and you make policy decisions, you know, the, that feedback is, you know, you've already transferred by the time something's come up with that. So, right, right. Yeah, that can be frustrating for sure. Uh, frustrating and and uh, almost demoralizing uh, at times. I, I've I've been there, so I, I feel your pain. As far as yeah, uh, you you mentioned you know going going places um, when you're on your sea duty. I guess um, what what are some of the I guess most interesting places that you visited in in the in the time in the navy. Well, definitely when I was on, I was stationed on board a DDG. That was actually my first ship as an officer. And, you know, when you're on those smaller ships, you can really go into ports that say when you're on a carrier, you don't, you know, it's kind of hit or miss. So, I mean, yeah. I think for me, I really love, we went to the Seychelles. Oh, beautiful. Amazing. And quite honestly, I loved Dubai. Yeah. What is going on over there? There's, I've never, you know, back in the, in the you know, early 2000s, they had, you know, um, ski slopes in their malls and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's just that huge hotel. I, it's just amazing over there. It really yeah. was. That, that, uh, in, that kind of built up part of that country is just beautiful. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've got a couple of stories about Dubai. I mean, I visited it in the Navy in, uh, must have been 2004, before the Burj Khalifa, like the tallest building in the world, was built there. Um, the, uh, the other hotel, the Burj Arab, the or sale? The, the sale, the one that looks like the sale. Amazing. Um, yeah, we went and checked that out. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but that was, let's see, 2003, 2004. And then the next time I visited Dubai, I was right after a mission trip that my wife and I had been on, and we went to Nepal. We went to Nepal first, flew into Kathmandu, saw the extreme poverty there, then went up into the mountains uh, in, in Nepal and see, saw even more extreme poverty. And then went from that extreme into Dubai on the way back. We spent three or four days there. Uh, and it was, yeah, it's, it is, it's total culture shock uh, coming from one side of the spectrum to the other. I mean, where, you know, the, some of the policemen are rolling around in super sports cars. And, and then we went to the top of the Burj Khalifa, the tallest building in the world. And, uh, I mean, just the amount of um, money that is spent on uh, everything there is just incredible. But yeah, it's it is fun to go and visit for sure. Uh, I, I very much enjoyed my time there. Don't get me wrong, but it was also a culture shock. So yeah, um, I, yeah, I, I lived in the Middle East for a year. I lived in Bahrain and got to travel around quite a bit uh, throughout the, the GCC there. Um, between Bahrain, uh, Qatar, uh, Oman, uh, and, and some of the other spots. There, there are some really nice spots. And the weather there, ironically, uh, during like October to April, something like that, is just beautiful. It's uh, very pleasant. Yeah, yeah. But, but then going into summer, it's, it's brutal. <laughs> yeah. So anyhow, uh, sorry. Like I said before the show, I, I have a tendency to sometimes go down some rabbit holes. So I'll try to get. <laughs> so 
Um, you, you mentioned you've been here basically since you went through OCS, uh, you came to your first ship and then, and then you decided after you got out of the Navy to stay here, um, I guess you had uh, a son in school and what else kept you in the area? Um, I just really love it. Like I said, I'm from Toledo, Ohio. I mean, Lake Erie's <laughs> nice, but it's not, it's not yeah. the Atlantic. Uh, I just really like it. I like the, I like, you know, when I first got here, I didn't really like it. It had a lot of, I'm like, is everything a strip mall? Is there something else going on here? But, you know, once you get off and you live here, then you, you know, you see the, yeah. what it really is. And my husband really likes it here and uh, it's just nice. I like it. Nice. Nice. Well, uh, in the, in the intro, I mentioned your GSA deployment to Iraq and how that deployment you felt was where you actually realized you needed help. Um, what were you doing on that deployment? And then what was it that that, uh, what was it about that deployment that really showed you that you needed help? And I guess, lastly, what was it that you were dealing with? Um, so yeah, I took a GSA, which is where you just kind of go by yourself. You're not part of a team. At least I wasn't. And I really, it, it wasn't something I wanted to do, but you know, the way the detailing worked at that time, there, what was available wasn't, there wasn't much available. And my detailer kind of said, Hey, I said, well, how, where are all the, I, I was up for sea uh, duty. I needed an op tour. I was at uh, NECC, Navy Expeditionary Combat Command. I was a plank holder yep. there. And I was like, you know, looking up, you know, on the website, and there was like a ship in Guam and like something else, another DDG, which I'm good. One <laughs> is more than enough for anybody. So I was like, oh, no, no, I'm not, I don't want to do that. And my D, I said, where are all the, I mean, I'm in Norfolk, where are all the ships? He says, well, we're doing these GSAs and I opened up your detailing window last year to people who volunteered to go to either Afghanistan or go on one of these GSAs. And I was like, okay. He's like, so I'll open up somebody else's window. If you take this GSA off of take a GSA off this list. And so I yeah. looked at this and I'm not sure why I thought Iraq would be better than Guam, but <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking, but I did take that tour. I, you know, it was, it was for the qualifications that I had, I had about two options on that list for my rank and uh, what my skill set was. And so it was Iraq or Afghanistan. And I thought, well, you know what, we've been flushing toilets in Iraq for a long time. Let me go there. So I did, I took these orders to Baghdad, you know, I did the whole army training in Fort Jackson. Yeah. Um, that was that and you know I sh literally showed up in the middle of the night in the green zone the convoy <laughs> back opened they threw all eight of my sea bags out and said good luck and <laughs> and so I found you know a temporary housing sorted that out and from day one because we were in the green zone and we were right really close I was at Fob Union 3 um, I don't even know I think it's been turned over but it's really close to the embassy, which had just been, you know, brand new spanking embassy. It's the target. It was a target back then. I know it's a target yeah. we kind of kicked off this year, but it was definitely a target back then as well. So the FOB that I was on was under constant, constant incoming. I don't know if it was for us, but it seemed to always hit us. I don't know. They were, you know, I don't know what kind of aim they have, but it, it wasn't working. So... Um, I was there to train the Iraqis on logistics. So I would travel to the Ministry of Defense and the Ministry of Finance in downtown Baghdad yep. and work with my counterpart on long-term budgeting. So I think you can imagine the uh, difficulty of trying to, you know, in a country like that, they didn't even have, like my counterpart didn't even have a computer on his desk because they didn't have any, like a, a steady power Right. So he would, you know, I'm in there with these PowerPoints and this chart and these graphics and he's got like this ledger that's got <laughs> cigarette holes in it and tea spilled on it. So it was really interesting. But, you know, the constant, constant incoming was a lot. Like it yeah. was three times in the middle, you know, and I was just kind of there by myself. I didn't go there with a team. And, it, you know, when it wasn't going on, everything was really normal. Like they had, I was doing laundry, I was going to work, I was eating in the galley, I was going to the gym, you know, so you kind of, you know, a couple, you know, maybe two days will go by and you're like, 
this isn't so bad. And then it's just a constant barrage. It's in the middle of the night. You're running, you know, incoming, incoming, you're running. Yeah. I just started really like noticing that this was obviously was an, it was very stressful for me. And, you know, I found myself doing things to kind of help myself. So no matter where I was on the camp, I, I knew how many steps it was to get to the, to the safety cube or whatever. The, the yeah, yeah. A loop term, but yes, the bunker. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm just like counting my step and, you know, half the time the explosion would go off before you could get there. Sometimes the explosions would go off before you even got your feet on the floor. I don't know. So it was just really, I didn't notice right away. I was just like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. I'm getting everything done. I'm not having any problems. I'm, I'm at work. It, it really, on paper, was one of my best tours, you know, in terms yeah. of my fit rep and my awards and all. It was a great tour. About six months into it, I was um, moved downrange to Umkasar. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I moved from training. They, uh, somebody had left and they needed help finding some comms gear and tracking supply. I, I don't know. So anyway, long story short, I ended up somehow in Umkasar. So I was working directly with the Iraqi Navy, uh, their sailors. They do have a small navy. They, all they do, they use it to patrol um, oil. They have a few oil platforms. They, right. It's really a defense of the country. It's more of a defense of these oil platforms. So, um, but the camp was inside of the Navy Iraqi base. So it was, you know, that has its whole set of challenges with power. We had to have our water driven in every day. Right. A lot of our drivers were getting shot at the gate, so then we wouldn't have water. Like, it was just, it was everything. The whole tour was just, I learned a lot. Sure. Sounds but, like it. Yeah. It was, a, it was uh, interesting. But, you know, just, you know, without going into, like, you know, scenarios and whatnot, but I really started noticing a change in my personal ability to adapt and overcome. You know, I kind of prided myself on, hey, no problem. I got it. Don't worry about it. We got this. You know, and the, I could hear these words coming out of my mouth like they always do, even, you know, on ships and whatever. But I really started to not believe what I was saying. Like, I really, something in the back of my mind was like, I, I don't really think everything's going to be okay. But these people work for me, and I don't want my sailors to be worried, so I'll just keep going. And so I would say it wasn't until I got home and I was able to let my guard down. I, I was there for a little, I think a little over a year, maybe give or take a couple of weeks, no big deal. And I got home, you know, you come home from deployment and you're like, this is great, great, I'm home, it's fantastic. I did go right back directly to a ship. Um, I went to the USS Roosevelt, the carrier. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so then there's that op tempo and then we were um, in the yards, which seems like you don't have a lot to do, but I don't know if you've ever done a tour. I, I know seals don't obviously go to the yards, but yeah. oh, oh my God, well, oh, I didn't know which <laughs> one. Like I live two exits from the beach. So driving to Newport News every day. I mean, I don't, it's, it's a lot. So that tour was a lot, but I worked a lot. I wasn't really thinking about it. It was just kind of, hey, I'm back in my uniform. I've, you know, I've got two divisions on the ship. Let me just knock this out. And then at home, I really started noticing like, hey, am I really, do I need all this wine at the end of the night? Do I need these bourbons? I mean, I do love makers, but this is, you know, I just started noticing maybe some self-medicating. Yeah, you know? yeah. And at first you kind of think, well, you know, I'm home now. I couldn't drink while I was over there and I'm celebrating and I'm home. And then two years later, you're still doing it. And you're like, this probably isn't the best idea. Yeah. And I'm just like fighting with people and just getting really angry. I'm not really an angry person, but I would like blow up over little things that were not important. So I really started noticing that my relationships um, were failing. I was failing the relationships that I was in. I, mm -hmm. I have to say I always did well at work. I don't know that anybody at work other than like, hey, commander's really pissed about that. PowerPoint like more than usual or something, you know, but it wasn't um, something I think anybody at work might know because, you know, once you put the uniform on, I'm in my uniform. Right. So you're almost like a different person and you, you know, compartmentalize. You can, yeah, totally. Exactly. Much easier. I, I could, I, you know, anything could be going, I could be crying mm -hmm. in my office and two minutes later I can give a brief with no problem. Yeah. 
But at home, you know, you don't have that, I don't carry on that facade and it really, things started cracking. And so I, this is, gonna, this is really kind of weird, um, but I am a huge fan of Howard Stern. I know that's kind of weird. But it's Howard, not, he's funny. <laughs> I mean, I know, but anyways, but Howard Stern often, I have, I have had serious radio for years and I've been a big fan and he often talks about transcendental meditation. Like he's been doing it since the seventies. Like, yeah. he, you know, like he's a big proponent. I know some celebrities talk about it, but I didn't, I didn't pay it. The only person I knew who I'd heard of it from was Howard Stern. Yeah. And I just thought, huh, I wonder what that is. Like, what's that about? So yeah. I did some research. Um, and then I finally reached out and, uh, to a couple instructors that were going to be in town and I met up with them and I have to say it was a life-changing moment, not right away, but it really, really made all the difference in the world to me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I think you're the first person I've ever talked to that, that had Howard Stern introduce you to meditation. That's uh, that's pretty wild. Hey, you never know who, yeah, you never know how you're going to get introduced. So I want to uh, back up a little bit. Um, as you started to realize that you're uh, having, um, I don't want to say issues, but you're kind of struggling with some of mm -hmm. what you had seen overseas, what you had uh, been exposed to. Um, what were some of the initial steps that you took to get help um, outside of meditation or were there any? And did the Navy have anything to do with uh, your getting any mental health support? I really didn't seek out anything until I knew that I didn't have any more orders that I was going to take. Okay. Okay. I, I, I do absolutely 100% think that the tide is turning in terms of mental health and the military and being able to reach out. It, on paper and in my rational mind, I knew that wouldn't be a problem for me. I'm not really an operator. So, you know, my tours are pretty, you know, seashore, seashore, not, you know, yeah. fine. But I had heard some horror stories of people who had had some issues and gone to see mental health. And sometimes when you do go to an operational tour, your medical record is screened, mm -hmm. not only before you go, but at that command. Right. I just heard a couple people along the way, like, hey, I had gone in and now I got to talk to the CO before I take, before they'll give me these orders because I have this little blip right here in my personal mental health history. Right. And I just kind of thought to myself, I don't really want to get into that right now on the, on a professional level. I'm, I'm going I'm to sort it out here this way with this meditation and see where this takes me. Um, that's not to say that I didn't eventually go back and, you know, I did try, you know, the medication that they gave me, but there was no substitute for the personal meditation and mindfulness practices that I did for myself. Yeah. That is not to say that those things aren't wonderful and they're there. And if you need them, you should use them. Just for me personally, I was able to tackle my issues on that level. I the other, you know, taking it up to medication, I didn't, I was able to fix what I needed to fix right there. Yeah. Well, that's the, great. For the most part. Yeah. So you hear Howard Stern talking about TM. Mm -hmm. How did, how did, how did you actually get started doing it? Uh, and, and then how long was it before you started to notice the benefits uh, from doing it? And then what were those benefits? Well, I Googled it, like I do all things. <laughs> yep. And I saw that, you know, it, and it is really a great website. And if you go on there, you just plug in where you live and they'll, you know, kind of give you the information and the email addresses for instructors in your, excuse me, instructors in your area. TM is not something in that you learn on your own. Like it's not a book. It's not you know, it's, it's not a video. It's an, it's a one-on-one -on -one, uh, lesson and training and continued training and practice uh, with an actual instructor. So I reached out to Diana Williams and Jeff Litwin. They uh, lived in North Carolina, but they covered this area. And I noticed that they were coming here at least once a quarter. 
and it was in Chesapeake and I live in Virginia Beach, which won't be applicable outside, but I'm like, oh my God, I'm not driving all the way to Chesapeake, right? <laughs> well, I live in Chesapeake and, and driving oh, Virginia, yeah. and, and driving all the way to Virginia Beach can be a pain. So I'm like, oh right? my gosh. I like, kind of like put it off and I just kind of stalked the website for dates and and just one day out of nowhere, and they've never done it since, and they never did it before, they came to the Virginia Beach area. And so I made an appointment with them. I met them. I sat down with uh, Jeff and Diana. And they had such a calmness about them, like beyond just obviously chilling out and sitting there and talking to you. And Diana in particular, uh, they're a little older. I don't know how they, old they are, but they were older to me. And Diana had like a calm about her. And I thought to myself, because we had met at, a, at the library. I don't know why, but that's where we met. And I thought to myself, if this library caught on fire, I believe that Diana would literally just walk out. Like there would be no, <laughs> I don't, I mean, she looked like a librarian, you know, that kind of like grandma, nice, you know, like you just want to give her a hug, but her yeah. presence and same with Jeff was so, I'm like, how, how do I get that? Like, mm -hmm. how do I exude that peace? that I can see in her face. I don't know, it sounds kind of weird, it's hard to describe. Not at all, not at all, I, I totally get it, yep. I, I just had never really met somebody who seemed so just right there with you. I don't know, it's hard to explain. So I was, I was like, I'm in, whatever you're buying, I'm, whatever you're selling, I'm buying, because I want to have that. And so you meet with them, they came back and, um, I had a one-on-one -on -one instruction with Diana. They do a, a nice Sanskrit. So it is a, a, an ancient Vedic technique. Mm -hmm. um, it kind of became popularized in the 1950s with um, the Maharishi Mahesh. And um, so we had a little Sanskrit ceremony. It was very nice. And then they teach you meditation. They teach you how to do transcendental. And the uh, thought behind it is you do it twice a day for 20 minutes in a seated upright position, unless for some reason, like you're injured or whatever, mm -hmm. but you shouldn't do it laying down and you don't have to, you shouldn't cross your feet. You don't sit, you know, we're not oming. Um, just a comfortable seat. And then you're just meditate. I, it's, it's not a function of controlling your thoughts. You know, a lot of people, um, there's all, there's a million different kinds of way to meditate. Right. Um, this one just works for me. I'm really into like the science and the proof of it. And, you know, there's a, over 400 peer reviewed, there's some meta analysis on the proven effects of this particular type of meditation. All meditation is great. So mm -hmm. don't let me, you know, exclude anything. But for me, this is what I chose. <clears throat> so it's so just really, go ahead. How soon after you get introduced to it, did you actually, I mean, were, did you walk out that day after being introduced that day and you're like, hey, I, I feel better? Um, or was it, you know, weeks afterwards or months that you actually started to see and feel differences in how you were dealing with things? So I don't know if it's just me, but of course I felt nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, I just, because it, it, it can be an expensive um technique to learn, right? Yeah. It, it's not cheap, but they do offer a lot of scholarships in particularly with um, the military. You can get, a, um, they have a reduced rate if you're enlisted, it's even less money. There's a lot of scholarships out there. So, you know, don't let that scare you away if it's something that you really wanna do. There's always a way around, you know, working out the financials of it. But to mm -hmm. me, I paid and I'm like, okay, uh, what did I just pay for? Like, what? <laughs> What snake oil did I just purchase? Yeah. Um, but I'm the kind of person that if I pay something for, for something, I'm in, like, I'm, I'm doing it. Right. And I felt I really was really kind of discouraged because, you know, uh, we meet quarterly and other people we meet and we meditate together. And they were like, from day one, I was levitating and I don't know what they were talking about. <laughs> I'm it, I'm bro I'm it must be me I I don't get it I'm sitting here suffering for 20 minutes a day I'm suffering for 20 minutes a day twice a day with twice a day practice. yeah and it was just and you know I would talk to Diane and Jeff about it and they're like it's going to be gradual trust me just stick with it stick with it stick with it 
and it really was gradual. It had to have been probably six, seven months later when I noticed, you know, a, a reoccurring argument in our home or something at work. And my switch just wasn't flipped. Nice. Like, yeah. I mean, a lot of people ask me, like, what, why do you meditate? What, what does meditation do for you? And meditation is different than mindfulness. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think they sometimes get interchanged, but there is no mindfulness, at least in transcendental meditation. You let go of the mind. I, you know, we don't say, okay, I can't think of anything. You think of whatever it is you're thinking. Um, I'm not a TM instructor, so I'm not going to go into all the details, but yeah. it is than mindfulness. But um, I just really started noticing. And when people say, well, what, what, what's the point of meditating? For me, it created a space in my mind between what was happening and what I was going to do about it. Right? So my reaction time, you know, I was very reactive. I've kind of always been, you know, kind of a, what, you know, I'm going to react to something. Yeah. But, you know, as I noticed that my mental health maybe wasn't where it needed to be, my reactions were not only quick, but they were not appropriate for the situation. Right. So yeah. I, I will nuke anything. If given <laughs> Standard <laughs> officer. Yes, of course. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> so, you know, I would nuke anything if, you know, it wasn't going right. But I noticed over time that there was a place of quiet that I was able to tap into before I said or did anything. And so none of the situations changed. No, you know, all the things that were a problem for me before or caused me anxiety or made me kind of go back into like maybe a little OCD behavior. Now I had that quiet time and it really wasn't even like five seconds or 10 seconds. I don't really know how to tell you how long that space is, but it is a, a space between what's happening and what I'm going to think and do about it. And I yep. never had that before. Nice. That's, that's awesome that one, that you have it. And then two, that you notice that you have it. So, I mean, that, that is uh, obviously speaks volumes to the practice that you have. And then it also, shows that it's actually having an effect that is noticeable for you so that you continue that practice. Cause I know with, <clears throat> excuse me, with some forms of meditation or with some people who are trying to get started, they don't have the noticeable benefits and, and then they get discouraged and then they quit. When you said you, you were practicing for six or seven months before you really started to notice, but Please. then uh, I'm sure, now, now that you have noticed, uh, and you know how you feel when when there's a potential trigger and you don't get triggered, now you're you're feeling a lot better about things. So now you continue to practice, and then it's probably. Um, I met a friend the other uh, a couple of weeks back. He said, "The more you practice, the less you have to practice." Meaning, you know, as you practice more. The, your conditioned to not react, but rather respond. And you, it doesn't feel like you're having to fight through a meditation. You can actually get through it. So the more you practice, the less you have to practice. Um, so is your practice, does it still consist of two meditations a day of, of 20 minutes? It's definitely one meditation of 20 minutes first thing in the morning. I mean, I, by six, six 30, I've either meditated or I'm getting started. And I will say that sometimes in the afternoon it gets kind of neglected. Um, but as a general rule, yes, but I absolutely without equivocation, 20 minutes every day at a minimum. And then I, you know, nice. Um, one thing that I know distracts a lot of people in, in the morning, the first thing, a lot of people are using their phones as their alarms. Um, they roll over, grab their phone, and the first thing they do, you know, turn that alarm off. But as soon as they turn that alarm off, now all these notifications start coming into their life. How do you uh, keep from getting distracted from when you wake up in the morning to when you actually start your practice? Um, because I set it on a time. So I'm an early riser, even though now I'm retired and I, I have zero necessity to get up at four thirty, five o'clock. Uh, <laughs> I still do. Wow. I, do. 
I do. Well, and also my dogs have not accepted my retirement, so they're <laughs> schedule, and so. Um, yeah. But I do get up, and I, I am guilty. I do use my phone as an alarm. I get up, you know, let the dogs out, get back in bed. I do, you know, skim through social media or the news. But I know I'm constantly looking at the clock. When it hits six o'clock, I, I got to take the phone. The phone gets turned off. Or if I nice. wake up a little later, by six thirty, I've got to do it. I've got to do it before my husband gets up. I've got to get it up, you know, before the dogs decide it's time for breakfast. Like if I don't hit that window, yeah, you may have an issue. And sometimes maybe it doesn't last twenty minutes. Sometimes I get to ten minutes and you know something happens and now I'm done. You know, that's okay. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, it's not. I used to be the kind of person where I was like, well, I didn't do the full 20 minutes. So it was, BS. it wasn't worth it. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't do it, you know, but that's ridiculous. So sure. yeah. I, I mean, and we talked about, go ahead. We talk about that uh, a few times or we, I have spoken with a few guests about that is that a lot of people are like, well, I don't have time to meditate. Well, if you even meditate for two minutes, you know, that's two minutes better than nothing. Uh, it's, it is something. So, um, and then, uh, I, I really like how you do that in that you have a time set for your meditation. It's kind of time boxed and nothing can interfere with that. Um, even if you are going down some rabbit hole on social media, if you look up the clock and it's six or six thirty, that's your time to meditate. You, you cut it off. So that's uh, that's great that you have that discipline. It, you, well, I mean, it, it, it really was a habit. It didn't always be that way. It used to yeah. be like, but once <laughs> Hey, look, you need this, you know, it works. Yeah. Just it's, you know, and, and now it's, now I just do it in, you know, 21 nice. days or 90 days, whatever they say it takes to make a habit. That's just what I did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right on. So have you shared this practice with your, your friends and your family? And if so, how, how is it typically received? Well, because I'm not a TM teacher, I don't really instruct, I don't instruct people on how to do transcendental meditation specifically yeah um but i am a yoga teacher i am a yoga therapy student mm -hmm. so i the, i do employ all different kinds of meditation um for other people you know guided yoga nidra uh meta meditation visualization you know there's a walking my like, a walking meditation is yep. whatever anybody wants i just i I tell people about TM. I tell them what it's done for me, but, and I have resources if they want to do that, but I don't, um, I don't teach that to people. I teach them other things. Nice. So you mentioned you're being a yoga teacher and you're being a yoga therapist student. Um, how and when did you start yoga? And then what are the physical and mental benefits that you've seen from, from practicing that? So like probably 15 years ago, I went to a yoga class at um, Little Creek. Yeah. And the teacher was great. This is not a reflection of that teacher at all. But I remember laying there thinking, I could be on that treadmill. Like I can hear the treadmill out there. And I don't know why I'm rolling around on this mat. <laughs> but yeah. this, yes, I'm not doing this. And I really hated it. I really like, I was like, that is an hour I will never get back. Wow. So I let that go, you know, and that was, again, 15 years ago. So when I, uh, I do learn TM, we do TM retreats. So I have been on a couple of retreats and there are some sequences of yoga postures that can be incorporated into transcendental meditation. Um, kind of like an advanced technique. Well, that sounds bad, but you know, it's just like, as you go farther and farther along TM. So I thought, oh my God, so I can do yoga with TM. Yeah. Oh, I hate yoga. Is this uh, going to fall apart? <laughs> what is going on? So I, uh, you know, I was on this retreat and we uh, did incorporated some yoga in between different rounds of meditation. Anyway, so that sounds kind of weird. But anyways, but we did it. And I thought, huh, so if I do yoga more, then maybe this will only get better. So I rolled the dice. I bought a Groupon on, and, you know, whatever. I'm like, okay, well, I'll try this yoga. But what I didn't realize what yoga really was. So, you know, I, I, um, I practice at Studio Bamboo in Virginia Beach and they have one in Chesapeake. It's just a great studio. Um, and it was, it was great. I mean, I, I could only go to like the 6 a.m. class because I was working and it was kind of an advanced class. So of course I'm like falling over. I, I, it was embarrassing, but you know, I toughed it out. I did it. Nobody made me feel bad. You know, the instructors there are really nice. 
And I just kept going and I kept going. And as I started learning more about yoga, so meditation is a piece of yoga. Yoga, I, I practice kind of a classical yoga, you know, a Raja yoga. So, you know, it has eight limbs, eight types of eight practices all to find, you know, an inner peace. And meditation is one of them. Mindfulness is another one. And the actual physical postures, you know, like what you would think of a yoga class is also part of it. And once I started really committing to the, to the physical practice of yoga, I'd always still continued on with my personal meditation. But once I committed to the physical practice and started incorporating some pranayama or some breath work or, you know, and started learning more, it all, it was just like a big puzzle that came together, like a bunch of pieces that were kind of disparate and I didn't know what they were. They all started coming together in like a cohesive picture for me. Nice. So that's been my experience with it. Uh, I've been lucky between my TM teachers and my teachers of yoga and Richardson and Farrell Bender Birch. I mean, it's been life changing to put the whole thing together. Excellent. So you're actually the, the third yoga therapist or yoga therapist student that I've had on, on the show. Yeah. Uh, I had actually not even heard of yoga therapy until about a year ago. I, I right. didn't realize that there was a difference between yoga therapists, yoga therapists and yoga teachers. Um, and for our listeners who may not have heard the other yoga therapist uh, episodes, can you explain the difference between a yoga teacher and a yoga therapist and what it entails to become a yoga therapist? Sure. So a yoga, you know, everything's on the same plane. There isn't like, oh, you know, yoga teachers, yoga, it's all in service of yoga. So as a yoga teacher, what we do is we teach a certain type of class, you know, a vinyasa, restorative, you know, whatever, whatever you're teaching, foundations, uh, I've only been teaching for about a year and a half. So I still like, I write out my classes. Sure. There's a sequencing to it, but it's based on what I feel like we are going to do in class that day. Um, it isn't uh, client driven. It's driven by me and what I believe we should cover in, you know, a foundations class or a restorative class. And um, although there are, you know, I've had to go to classes where maybe what I was teaching wasn't working for the demographic in the class. So I'll make adjustments to what I'm doing based on the group, but okay. with yoga therapy, it's client driven. So think therapy, you come in, we talk about what issues you're having nine times out of 10, they begin with, I've hurt my lower back. I've thrown out my shoulder. I, you know what? They don't often start with, Hey, I'm really stressed out. Yeah. Right. But as we move forward in treatment, so we'll do muscle testing. So what you can expect from a yoga therapist is that I'm a yoga therapist works with just one or maybe a small group. And it's 100% based on whatever issues you're having. If I teach a class of 20 people, I can't address 20 issues in a sure. yoga class. We can make adjustments. I can give you uh, adaptations but you know, I can't spend the whole class. And I, I made the decision to kind of transition to yoga therapy because that's what I really love doing. Like I could always see that poor lady in the back and I'm like, I could just stop <laughs> everybody else who's doing great. Like this person over here doing handstands doesn't need me, but that yeah. lady in the back is struggling. So I want to help her. So then when I learned about yoga therapy, I thought, oh, well, that's part, that's exactly what I want to do. I, I really enjoy more of a smaller venue and kind of work with people that way. Got it. Got it. So you're a student for that now. How much longer do you have before you are a, a certified? Is it certified or what is it? What is it called? It uh, is. So yeah. if you're going to be a yoga teacher, you, you need it. We have a few yoga governing bodies. So if you're a yoga teacher, it's usually Yoga Alliance and you have to submit your certificates and what you've done and you have to do CEUs and that's that governing body. Okay. For yoga therapists, we have another one, IAYT, which is the International Association of Yoga Therapists. And um, in order to be certified, you have to complete an actual course, like something. So there's a lot of um, great um, courses out there, Optimal Wellness, it's kind of local. So you can get a yoga therapy certification. I chose to go to Maryland University of Integrative Health 
because I will, uh, when I graduate next year, I'll have a master's of science nice. in yoga therapy. So in addition to being a certified yoga, yoga therapist, then I chose that because I, I would like to work with veterans. I, I also teach at a nursing or a senior center. And, you know, those types of groups of people, sometimes when you enter into an institutional setting, things like a master's of science sometimes resonate more, even though someone who did it a different way has just as much, if not more knowledge. But right. for me personally, to want to bridge that gap between modern medicine and get in and help populations like that, I thought the master's of science would work out better for me. But there are other avenues to do it. But yeah, it is a certification. Nice. Yeah. Well, then going back to your, your TM piece, do you have any desire of becoming a, you've mentioned a couple of times through the show that you're not a TM teacher. Do you have any desire to become a TM teacher on top of the, yeah? I do. Yeah. <laughs> I but that is, it is really a pro. like it is, it is not easy. Um, so I really, I've kind of got my hands full with this um, MS yoga therapy program. So I'm going to finish that, but I, I do, I would love to do that. That's, you know, TM does a lot of work with vets. I don't know. Have you heard of Boulder Crest? Yeah. 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 So they have an on staff TM instructor, the executive director, I think his name is Dusty Baxter. Oh uh, yeah, I forget. Um, we we've actually talked about potential uh, strategic partnerships with them. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing! I, I, it's amazing. My uh, TM instructor Diana works with their women's vets all the time. Nice. So yeah, that is definitely something else I would like to add to uh, things that I can give back for. Yeah, but it is, it is a process, and it, it it's not it's it's not a easy path. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like you're on that path uh, and with having yoga therapist, yoga teacher, your background uh, with a personal story of TM and then potentially getting that as a, as a future thing. I mean, just think about all the people that you could help physically and mentally uh, heal themselves, uh, both veteran and non-veteran and non and non alike. Got a little tongue cut tied there. <laughs> Really, you know, once I retired, you know, I, I guess when I look back, I've always had kind of like a service uh, mentality. And I'm really only, ever, like I realized in the Navy, I was really only happy with the tours where I interacted with, with my sailors and made things better for them or were able to, you know, be a heat shield for some things. And I just, when I got out, I realized, hey, I still really like to do that. Like I don't, you know, a lot of people, some of my old bosses work, um, you know, at uh, MSC and whatnot. And they're like, you know, when I was retiring, they're like, hey, we'll see you upstairs. Because I worked, I was the chief of staff at DLA uh, Distribution Norfolk. And we shared buildings with, you know, other logistics agencies. And they're like, hey, we'll see you when you retire. I'm like, not unless you're taking my yoga class. You won't. <laughs> Good so, for you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was kind of a 180, but uh, I, I'm really happy to be able to give back and have that experience for myself to be able to tell people you know what it can really do if you uh if you practice for sure well that's awesome give you a quick note john Please. so I, i've been doing I, so i started transcendental meditation in 2014 and so i talk about it i do it i do yoga and my husband is like so when i told him i was going to be on this podcast you know i said hey so i use insight timer all the time and when i yeah. saw that you on there i started listening to some i don't as a general rule don't do guided meditation for myself yeah. sure let me see what's going on <laughs> so i swapped out my tm practice for listening to one of your um uh meditations and yeah. so i put it i put the volume up because i meditate at six o'clock in the morning and i made my husband get up and i'm like hey i need you to can you listen to this i'm going to be on this show and of this podcast and you know whatever yeah and he you know he listened and he didn't say much about it and kind of two days later he's like yeah i was really being mindful the other day when wow. I was, i've been talking to you about meditation and mindfulness <laughs> how many years since 2014 <laughs> and you so you know i just try to you know i think it's great that 
I, you're not everybody. I'm not everybody's teacher. Sure. You know, so you can, it's important. And I really love that in your show, you have such a varied, because you never know who's going to speak to who. I, I, you know, I don't resonate with everybody. And right. I obviously didn't resonate with my husband in terms of this <laughs> topic. And, you know, it really only took, you know, listening to you for about 10 minutes for him to come back. I mean, we've been together since 2005. He's never, the word mindfulness has never come out of his mouth. Wow. So, yeah. So well, thank you for that. I mean, uh, after I, after I checked my ego, uh, it was, <laughs> well, uh, I think, uh, from any spouse, it's tough to, it's tough to be told, Hey, you should check this out. I mean, my wife, uh, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, she's downstairs with the little ones and, uh, she's mindful about things that she does, but she doesn't, uh, have a meditation practice. Um, she she calls you know going to the gym although these days not going not going to the gym a whole lot just working out getting out and running getting on her bike that's her meditation um and i think hearing it from somebody other than your spouse is uh is normally a more powerful thing um but yeah that's great i'm i'm glad that it resonated with your husband and uh and i'm sure what your story uh has today it's going to resonate with our listeners so so yeah uh, I think as we start to get to the end of the show, I definitely want to thank you for sharing your story. Uh, but before we wrap it up, what, what are some other things that uh, we may have not discussed yet that you want to make sure our listeners walk away from today's show with? Well, I mean, I, we obviously covered a lot. I don't know that there's really necessarily something we didn't cover, but I think what I would want people to take away is that, you know, it's important to find who speaks to you and you'll know, like I said, when I met my TM instructors, I knew, like, I knew. Yeah. And like with my husband, when he heard my voice, it obviously did not, he did <laughs> not hear me. But when he heard your voice, he did, which is great. I don't, you know, it's, it's really the end. You know, how are you yep. getting there? Um, and more importantly, just, I've heard so many people say that, you know, that they've had immediate effects. Um, you know, d don't be discouraged if you don't. You know, I really... I really had to plug away at it. I really had to push the I believe button in what people were telling me to do it. And I'm really glad I did. I think in the, in the short term, if maybe you were having some issues, like just looking up a few breath techniques, now that is an immediate response. So, you know, if you, if you are feeling like, you know, anxiety and you're like, I can't meditate, you know, just you know, looking up how to breathe, you know, lengthening and exhale, you know, make can, it can really make all the difference in the immediate, but it's definitely worth putting in the time and effort to meditate and be mindful. Great. And I, I mean, I wish I, I, you know, I wish I was one of those people that would have walked out of there, you know, already transcended and <laughs> enlightened. But, you know, for me, I, I choose to always somehow, whether I choose to or not, I always take the tougher path. Well, I mean, I think it's important that you have that path and have that story because that will resonate with someone and someone who is having their own, struggle with meditating or may have had that struggle in the past as they started to try um, this is going to help maybe get them into meditation and help them to get you know kind of through that barrier maybe it's two months for them maybe it's three months maybe it's six or seven months um, but if they if they've heard that that's how long it took you maybe they're willing to put in the work it's just it's like going to the gym that's what i always tell people it's like going to the gym you're not going to see immediate results in the mirror right you're not going to see immediate results on the scale, but as you work out over weeks, months, years, you're going to see those results. Uh, so it's the exact same thing. Just now you're seeing the results kind of mentally and, and, uh, and, and you, you benefit just, you benefit more than just mentally. Your, your health improves, heart rate improves, your blood pressure. I mean, there's tons of benefits to it. So why not give it a shot? Uh, so yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, awesome, Tara. If, if people wanted to reach out to you to find out more about your, your story or your yoga therapy uh, or your, the yoga teaching that you're doing right now, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Well, I'll go ahead. I do have, I did start an LLC uh, for, it's called Meta Yoga Therapy. It's just kind of getting it off the ground. Um, but I'll give you some um, of my contact information um, at the end of the show. Maybe you can put it on there. Yeah. Awesome. Yes, absolutely. We'll put that in the notes for, for both our listeners. You can see that on the podcast notes and then on YouTube as we post this video. So look for that in the notes. Um, definitely. 
please do share. Those yeah, with I, us. anything that any question. I mean, I, I drive people crazy all day trying to talk about it. So there's <laughs> no there's no question that at least I, I know I drive people when I was learning. You know, please, please, any any questions, anything, any resources, um, I'm always available. Well, thank you very much for that. <laughs> of course, of course, within reason. Well, Tara, thanks so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate your your reaching out uh, to to share your story on the podcast and on the video today. And and I definitely appreciate everything that you shared with us as far as what you have struggled with and then how you overcame it. And then even even the uh, struggle, uh, just for lack of a better term right now, that you had in meditating in and of itself and then how you overcame that and then the results that you saw from that. So thank you very much for being with us today. Absolutely. Thank you, John. I appreciate it. Talk to you soon. For our listeners and viewers, thank you again for listening to or watching our show. Please check out Veterans Path online at veteranspath.org. We too are on social media. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. If you're enjoying the podcast, please hit the subscribe button here on the podcast or here on YouTube. Leave us a comment, a review, a like, and again, share it with anyone you feel needs to hear our message. And remember, you can directly support Veterans Path by clicking on the support button on the podcast or by visiting veteranspath.org forward slash donate. Thank you all and have a blessed day. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Veterans Path Podcast. Please follow us on social media and think about sharing your story with us there and potentially on the show. Together, we can make mental health a priority, improving and saving lives.